Bible, please open to the book of Exodus, chapter 13. <coughs> I wonder what sort of message that the Lord will give us for our last day here in this auditorium. I mean, we love this place. We went through, uh, you know, pain and suffering to get it. There was a lot of giving. There were mir- miracles after miracles to be in this place. But I've sensed for quite a while now that the, the, the cloud is rumbling. The, and this week, the cloud, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire are going to move down to Nambour for us. Um, it is a great place. I have, um, you know, just seeing it sort of evolve into uh, what it is to become with Lily House moving in and that sort of stuff. It's just really exciting, isn't it? Miracles upon miracles. And we're so, so grateful to see, you know, even better than seeing the development that's happening in Lily House, the house is seeing the development that's happening in these lives over here. So that's what really speaks to me. But this is the end of an era. But it's also the start of something big, I believe. You know, we're, we're um, stepping out into the unknown in many ways. And the Israelites had a similar situation. When they came out of Egypt, they were stepping into the unknown. They had seen incredible miracles, as we have seen miracles. If you haven't tuned in, God's brought hundreds of thousands of dollars in for, for the church and for Lily House. And it's, it's just been an incredible miracle to be a part of and to just see what God has done here. And all glory to the Lord. But the, the Egyptians had seen miracles too. They'd seen the plagues. They witnessed all the miracles. But there they were. They came out of Egypt. Their backs against the wall, actually against the Red Sea, which was like a wall. It was the Egyptian army pounding down upon them. They were in dire straits. They were desperate. They were seeking God and seeking his guidance. Let's pick it up in uh, Exodus chapter 13, verse 20. It says this. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us out of the scriptures this morning that you would show us where you are taking us, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us as a church, but also as individuals, that we might serve you with all of our lives in Jesus' name. And the people said, Amen. Amen. You know, every believer who truly loves and serves God really wants to know God's will for their life. We all sense that there's more to life than just floating along in the ether that we call modern society. I mean, think about it. Is there more to life than just being made fearful about COVID? or vaccinations, or, or when that subsides, climate change. I was amused to see climate changes back on the agenda. Did you notice that? I thought, gosh, COVID must be running out of puff. We need something else to scare people with. Let's talk about climate change. See, we sense, all of us sense that deep down that there is more to life than just what the world is trying to mould us into, to shape and, and make us a product of fear and hopelessness. So for us as a church... Uh, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire is moving this week down into Nambour. And let me say this to you. Let me prophesy this to you now. Prophesy just means to speak the words of God. But listen to this. I believe God has a plan for your life. Every single person, God has a plan for your life. Some of you here are sitting and thinking, I'm washed up. I've done it. But I'm telling you, God has a plan for your life. And if you don't, no matter how much, you heard what Sky said, no matter how much you've messed your life up, If you turn to him now, he has a plan and a hope and a destiny for you. He does. He promises that. But destiny does not depend on circumstances. It depends on choices. 
People let their circumstances determine their destiny all the time, but it depends on your choices. The Israelites had escaped the oppression of Egypt, but they needed direction. They needed protection. They needed to know that God was with them, and so do we. Anybody with me on that? need to know that God's with us. I'm not moving to Nambour to get a nice glossy building or, or to make money or something. I'm moving there because I believe God has a destiny for us in that place. And I, I hope you're with me because I believe that we can change, begin to change our community by moving into the middle of our community. It was, we've started some Facebook advertising and it's interesting that already we've had three people mock us on Facebook because they don't, you know, one of them, I love this, it said, um, said oh, you're moving to Nambour, there goes the neighbourhood. <laughs> yep, there goes the neighbourhood, <laughs> right into the presence of God, you know. There goes the neighbourhood. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I thought drug addicts and, 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 and drug dens and stuff like that were more appealing, apparently. So, um, you know, I think there goes the neighbourhood, hallelujah, don't you reckon? See, for the Israelites, though, standing with their backs against the Red Sea, they saw the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. But what does it all mean for them and what does it mean for us today? Well, I want to talk, first of all, about something that I've come to know as geographical anointing. That's just a long word. But what it means is that when you, when you move, God has an incredible blessing for you. In fact, it means it, that term actually refers to an increase in God's power and destiny in your life when you obey him and physically move to a new spot. None of us likes moving. Does anybody like moving? That's me. That's what it looks like when I'm moving. I just, I hate moving. And all the things you've got to change over these days. You used to just move from one house to another. Now you've got to change over all of your electricity and phones and internet, all that sort of stuff. It's crazy. I don't like moving, but God rewards obedience. He really does. I've seen this many times in my life. Uh, many years ago, Fiona and I, I met Fiona when I was at university. And uh, I married her as quick as I could. And uh, then we moved to the central coast of New South Wales. We set up a home there, uh, an optometry practice there. Then God really spoke to us about moving to Queensland. My, my family was up here. This was my home. I had to convince Fiona that this was a good place. Uh, typical New South Welshman, she thought the world stopped at the border, but it didn't, you know. So uh, we sort of lured her up here. But when we moved up here, just the, move, the physical moving was exactly the same time that I linked up with Bill Newman and my, my ministry became an international ministry in song. I didn't plan that. I didn't seek that. But when I was obedient to move, this entire new world opened up for me. And I believe that's going to happen for us in here. And there are biblical examples of this. Of course, the obvious one is Abraham. Genesis 12, listen to this. It says this, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Some of you know what I'm talking about here because you've had to leave things that you know and understand. I uh, think of you guys, Tony, and your family. You moved up here from Sydney. You moved out from Croatia. You know, it's a scary thing moving to a new situation. But this is what God said to him. Leave your house, leave your land, leave your kindred and your father's house. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great <clears throat> so that you will be, will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and to him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You see, if Abraham hadn't moved, if he'd said, well, yeah, but I like it here. It's comfortable. I know everyone here. I get this place 
If he hadn't followed God and stepped out in faith to somewhere new, he wouldn't have got all of those blessings. Those blessings depended on him stepping out and going somewhere new. He knew he had to leave Ur of the Chaldees to realize God's plan for him. And he's not the only one. Look at David. David constantly moved around. When you think of David, you think of the city of David, which is called Jerusalem. But when David was, was first crowned king, it was in Hebron. It wasn't in Jerusalem because Jerusalem was a pagan city full of Jebusites, right? So it was not the Jerusalem you know, but he had to move to move into his destiny. What about Daniel? Daniel got exiled and finished up in Babylon and he found his destiny in Babylon, not where he started. And there's many other opportunities from Scripture as well. When we obey the Lord and physically move, he often opens up incredible opportunities that would never have been possible had we stayed where we were. It's a geographical anointing. It's a special blessing we get when we step out and go someplace new. Some of you are saying, gosh, it's so far into Nambour. I'm not sure I can travel the extra distance. Some of you are saying, I don't want to go into Nambour. Nambour people are weird. And we all agree. But, you know, but we're about, we're about to be some of those weirdos. So if you're going to be weird, it's a great place to be. And it's true for us as a church. It's true for us as people. So Ignite is moving this week into Nambour, into an incredible destiny I believe God has for us. But for you also as an individual, you may, have moved, you may be sitting around thinking, oh gosh, I don't know where I'm going. You may have come here randomly today. Maybe there's a destiny if you step out and, and move instead of staying where you are comfortable. The symbol for Christianity is a cross, not a cushion. He, he didn't die on the cross to make you comfortable. Right? So we need to step out in faith. And the thing, the thing that I love about it is whatever we think God can do, He can go way beyond that. Ephesians 3.20, one of my favorite verses. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly, exceedingly abundantly, beyond what we can ask or think. And I can ask and think quite a bit. So I'm, I'm really excited about what God's going to do in there because it is according to the power at work within us by the Holy Spirit. He can do amazing things. The people of Israel, they, they often looked back and said, Oh, I wish we'd stayed in Egypt. It was comfortable there. We got plenty to eat and all that. But God never let them down. But like typical people, they whinged and complained. But they would never have fulfilled their destiny had they stayed in Egypt. It wouldn't have happened. Because their destiny was to move into the land that God had promised them. Now, as they set out, there was a tangible manifestation of God, this pillar of fire, pillar of cloud business. <coughs> and I want to look at what these pillars said to them and what they say to us today. First of all, the pillar represents God's presence. How many of you have looked at something like this and thought, man, look at that. It's like the Lord's blessing us. You see, we look at these things and we see God's, God's presence. The pillar of cloud and fire was something people could see. They could hear it. It rumbled and sort of carried. And when they were moving, it started to rumble a bit. It's a bit like a husband. Have you noticed that, ladies? When he wants to do something, he starts rumbling. Well, that's what it was like. And not a single person here can move into to fulfill their destiny without the presence of God. This represented the presence of God to them. Today, we still need God's presence. He doesn't provide pillars of fire and cloud anymore. He provides His Word. And He provides many other things as well. We, we sense God in His Word, but also we sense God when we worship together. Did you notice that? When we sing together, we sense this oneness, this incredible pre, uh, se, presence of God. And, we, and when we pray, many times we pray and we feel God's presence right there. 
You and I need God's presence today. Psalm 16 verse 11 says this, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And I don't know about you, but I'd, I'd like some joy in my life, wouldn't you? Because real joy comes when you have the presence of God in your life. For the people of Israel, it was a cloud that signified God's glory and his presence. And it's significant that after going on before the people and leading the people, this cloud, or some people call it the Shekinah glory. Shekinah is a Hebrew word which means to dwell. It means God dwelling with us. This cloud that showed us that God was dwelling with us. It was manifest also in the temple. If you look, perhaps uh, flip over to uh, Exodus chapter 40, we read this. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, and Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the cloud of the Lord filled the tabernacle. You see, the cloud was a physical way of seeing God's presence for those people. And all of us need God's presence today. Deuteronomy 31.15 says this, And the Lord appeared in the tent in a pillar of cloud. And the pillar of cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. So this was how God showed himself, this incredible pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. But let me just digress here for a minute. I want to encourage you, in fact I want to beseech you, which is an old way of saying beg you, to not lose the presence of God. It's so easy in the hustle and bustle of life. It is so easy to lose God's presence in your life, isn't it? Do you agree? How many of you have felt that? How many of you have felt dry in the past? Maybe you feel dry now because you haven't got that presence bubbling up inside of you. And we live in a world where we are assaulted by the media and social media and all this sort of stuff. It's just easy to lose sight of God. Sometimes you just you feel like he's... He's moved a million miles away. He's not there at all. You don't love him less. You don't want to serve him less. You just can't sense him like you once did. You know, there's, there's a passage in Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet way after the time of, of the Exodus. And the people went into exile. But the, he saw these amazing things in Ezekiel. He, he wrote all this stuff down, just crazy visions and all this sort of stuff. But there's, in Ezekiel 5, there's probably one of the, the saddest verses or, or chapters that I think I've ever read in the Bible. He talks in, in verse 11, he says this. This is the Lord speaking. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord God, surely because you have defiled my sanctuary with all of your detestable things and with all of your abominations, therefore I will withdraw. God threatened to withdraw his presence from the people. He threatened to just move out and leave them to whatever happened because of the hardness of people's hearts. Then in Ezekiel 10, 18, it actually happens. Then the glory of the Lord went out from the threshold of the house and stood above the cherubim, which is an angel. And the cherubim lifted up their wings and mounted up from, from the earth before, uh, before my eyes as it went out on the wheels beside them. And they stood at the entrance of the east gate of the house of the Lord and the glory of the God of Israel was over them. So what happened was the glory moved from, from the, 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 the uh, temple and from Jerusalem, it moved to the gate and then it moved right out and it just left. They lost the presence of God. I think that's a scary thing, don't you? To be left on your own because he just can't take your sin. He won't take your sin anymore. Repeated willful sinning saw people lose the presence of God. Now, if we as a church or as people, as individuals, if we refuse to obey, we can lose God's presence too. 
It doesn't mean that we necessarily lose our salvation, but we can lose a sense of the presence of God. In Ezekiel's vision, the cloud moved out of the holy city. Our sin doesn't see the Holy Spirit moving out of our life, but it can just make him see like he is so far away. And then we start making destructive, dumb decisions and we're headed for disaster. You need God's presence. I need God's presence. We need the presence of God. Do I hear an amen? We do. We're not here to play church. We want our lives surrounded by the presence of God. That's what we want. The second thing about the pillar of fire and cloud is it was God's provision. See, it was his provision for his people. Exodus 40 verse 36 says this, Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and fire was on it by night in the sight of all of the house of Israel through all their journeys. Wherever they went, they could look up and see that cloud. If ever they doubted that God was with them, they could look up and see the cloud. And the cloud reminded them of God's provision. See, the cloud could protect them from the heat of the sun as they went through the desert. The fire gave them light and heat of a night time. You think the desert's hot. Have you been there at night? It's really cold in the desert at night. And so the fire could give them warmth and could give them life. This was God's provision for them. In fact, the psalmist picks this up. In Psalm 105, he says, He spread a cloud of covering and a fire to give light by night. See, the pillar of cloud and fires went before the people for 40 years until they reached the promised land. Then they stopped. Why? Because they'd reached the promised land. And God's presence and provision was provided in a different way. And even when the people let God down, the pillar of fire and cloud remained. It didn't dissipate because they did something wrong. That presence was always there. Remember when the skies went in and, uh, spies went in and brought a bad report? Remember that? And, and then they came back and they said, oh, it's not that good a land, you know. The people there are really big. You're going to hate it, that sort of thing. And God was really mad at them. But God remained with them. Those pillars only disappeared when they entered the promised land. Even when the people rebelled and complained, even when God judged them, they could never doubt that God was actually there because they could see, physically see those pillars. In Numbers 1, uh, 11 verse 1, it says this, And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outlying parts of the camp. So where did the fire come from? I reckon it probably came out of the pillar. So even in judgment, they could never doubt that God was actually there with them. God was providing for them. The third thing is that the pillar of cloud and fire reminded people of God's protection. Uh, in 1984, Louise de Graffenried of Brandon, Tennessee, was astounded the nation of the U.S. when she persuaded an escaped convict from a Tennessee prison to surrender. The prisoner had turned up in the morning brandishing a gun, surprised her husband outside their modest home and forced himself inside at gunpoint. Now, Louise was not afraid of the gun. Instead, she spoke to him about Jesus. Don't you love that? <laughs> the guy's got a gun on you. He said, let me tell you about the Lord. Love it. Um, and she then fed him breakfast and persuaded him to call authorities and miraculously give himself up. Now, when questioned afterwards, they said, weren't you afraid? 
Well, Louise talked about how she trusted God as her ultimate authority and therefore this had overcome her fears. She said, and I quote, I was secure in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by light that guides my life. What a testimony. See, for the Israelites, the pillar of cloud and fire was the presence of God and it provided for them, but it also served to protect them. Remember I said they, at one stage they come out of Egypt, their back was against, the, was against the wall, or against the Red Sea. And the Egyptian army was bearing down on them. <coughs> this is in Exodus 14, verse 19. Let me read to you what happened. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, this is the pillar of cloud and stuff, they call it the angel of God here, went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there, there was the cloud and the darkness and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Why? Why did the cloud move from the front to the rear? Protection, exactly right. Because that, it's that incredible moment when God moved between the Israelites and their pursuers who wanted to murder them. And God moved, the presence of the Lord moved from the front to the back to protect them. What was going on at the other end? Well, he got busy parting the Red Sea so that the people could walk through on dry land. You remember this miracle? Okay, so, but he protected them from the, from the Egyptians as he was parting the Red Sea. You see, in Hollywood, Moses goes like this with his staff and the Red Sea just parts right but that's not what the bible says the bible says in exodus 14 21 then moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided so this this miracle took all night to blow the the waters back so that they had a path to walk through you didn't want the Egyptians sneaking in and killing them before they got to the, the, the dry land through the Red Sea. So what God did was he moved behind them and protected them while he worked this incredible miracle. Isn't that cool? See, God was not only working for the people, he was protecting them. God is not only working in your life, he is protecting you. And I believe we will never know this side of heaven how many times God has protected us. I don't know about you, but I look back at my life and I've nearly lost my life probably on, on certainly more than half a dozen occasions. My mum used to think, she said, she said, your guardian angel must be paid overtime because, you know, I've just had one of those lives where I've done a, a bunch of foolish stuff. But how many times has God protected us? You girls, how many times has God protected you when it could have gone the other way? We all know where, where drugs and stuff can go. But God protected you because he was bringing you to this place where he could work a miracle in your life. Some of the rest of you, how many of you have, have had your life preserved? So many of us. Am I right? I was traveling with my parents one day. I was probably in my you know, just under teens. We were traveling north on a, on a road through New South Wales and um, traveling at night. And a, a brick flew out of the, the, the side of the road and hit my father's windscreen and shattered it. Because back in the day, they didn't have laminated windscreen. The whole thing went white. That's why I remember this very vividly, because I was white. It was quite a shock. And he sort of immediately punched a hole through the middle of it and drove to the next town where we got the window replaced. Now, interestingly, when I talked to him about that, he said, 
afterwards he said something inside a voice inside me said whatever you do don't stop keep going he didn't even slow down he just punched a hole and kept driving it turns out on that very day there was a mass murderer who was uh trying to stop a car and we believe he threw that and smashed the windscreen the car after us he did the same thing they stopped he murdered them then he went out to a a farm like a homestead and if you remember there was quite controversy he was holed up in the homestead with the family there mike willisey if you remember back in the day got on the phone a, a journalist and talked to him when the police couldn't talk to him and there was quite a controversy about that that was that time but I remember the white windscreen and I remember my dad just punching it straight out because something said to him, someone said to him, don't stop. We don't know how many times the Lord has protected us, do we? We don't know this side of heaven. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit and be ready to obey and he will provide and protect for us. Sometimes in ways that we don't even know. One of the great tendencies of modern Christianity is to think that we can, we claim the promises of God and we think we can order God around. So we say, God, I want it this way and I want this much and I want this happening. And then we get very upset when he doesn't answer our orders. Listen, God is not your trained dog. If you think he is, you, and, you know, uh, reading it backwards. He is God. He is sovereign God. He is in control. And we need to say, Lord, I'll just obey and let him solve things and, and, and lead you through and protect you the way he decides not you tell him what he needs to do do you hear me because there's a lot of us do this these days in the name of being faithful we order god around i heard about a guy who was in a flood and the flood waters were rising and he crawled up onto the roof and a guy came through in a four-wheel drive he said quick get in he said no the lord's going to save me i won't go with you the lord's going to save me so the guy drove off waters get a little bit higher guy comes out in a boat Quick, hop in the boat, I'll save you. No, no, the Lord will save me. I don't need you, the Lord will save me. So the boat went off. Finally, the water's right up to the top. He's standing on a little bit of, a little bit of roof and a helicopter comes down and lowers this ladder. Quick, grab the ladder, I'll save you. No, the Lord will save me. So the helicopter went off. Well, the, the floodwaters came up and the man drowned. He gets to heaven, he said, God, I trusted you. Why did you let me down? Why didn't you save me? Why did you let me drown? And the Lord said, well, I sent a four-wheel drive and a boat and a helicopter. What more do you want? <laughs> you see, we can't just tell God how we want him to do stuff. We have to let him lead us. Because sometimes, I know it's a shock, but sometimes he has better ideas than we do. Like all the time. God's presence provides and protects us. But only if we're obedient. Part of protection is being obedient. If you disobey, you can move out from under the protection of God. And, and a lot of people blame God for stuff, but they've long, long before moved out from under his protection and they've stopped obeying him. My experience is when you're obeying God and you, you're filled with his presence, you don't blame him for anything. You just trust him for everything. The fourth thing is God's piloting. You see, God clearly teaches that he will lead those he loves. And he clearly led the people of Israel through a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. God was piloting or guiding their journey. Nehemiah 9 verse 12, looking back on this event, he writes this, By a pillar of cloud you led them in the day, by a pillar of fire in the night, to light for them the way which they should go. Every single one of us here needs to know God's direction in our life. Every single one of us. We don't have a pillar of cloud and fire to guide us, but we have something better. 
we have the Word of God and we have the presence of God. With The God of all creation can live inside you and me. His name is the Holy Spirit. And this is, this is the one who leads us. You see, when Jesus was leaving earth, he said these profound words in John 16. When the Spirit of truth comes from, uh, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Jesus left so the Holy Spirit could come. And now, instead of God being out there in a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud, he's right inside here. We can have the Spirit of God inside us speaking to us directly. God is not into confusing you or leading you into disaster. He wants the best for you. He wants you to move into your destiny. And as he guided those Israelites by day and by night, so he guides you by day and by night, if you would only listen and obey. Isaiah 30 verse 21 says this, And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or to the left. How many times do you know you go through things in your life and something comes up and you go, Oh man, that's pretty tempting. And a little voice says no. Have you ever experienced that? And you go, and a little voice says no. Why? Is it because God wants to rain on your parade? Is it because God's a killjoy? No, it's because God knows that's not the best way for you. And so a little voice inside you says, no, take this way. If you listen, if you learn his word and place his word in your heart, then you will hear him and he will lead and guide you. When that cloud moved, the people moved with it. When the cloud stopped, so did they. That's a great illustration of what we, we need to do with the Holy Spirit in our lives. I can say with confidence the cloud is moving for us as a church down into Nambour now. But I felt it for a long time. But I couldn't move because we didn't, because, you know, we've got to go when he says go and stop when he says stop. Psalm 37 says this, verse 23, The steps of a good man are established by the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he falls, he shall not be cast headlong because the Lord holds him in his hand. You see, the steps, your, your steps, my steps are ordered by the Lord. If we will listen and if we obey, he will guide us and lead our steps. God's piloting, protecting. He's working hand in hand with obedience. It's a package deal. You can't say, God, I want you to lead me. I just don't want to obey. It's not going to fly. It's not going to happen. You lose his protection, you lose his provision, and you lose his piloting or his guidance when you start pulling things back into your control instead of trusting and obeying him. Uh, back in 1945, Warner Brothers brought out a war movie called God is My Co-Pilot. Have you ever seen that? It's real old. It was about a guy who was in the war, who survived the war. He was a Christian. And he wrote this incredible book, which they made a movie of, called God is My Co-Pilot. And for a while, Christians made bumper stickers saying, God is my co-pilot, but I want to go you one better. God needs to be your actual pilot, not your co-pilot. If you're flying a, a Spitfire, probably you can be your co-pilot. But outside of that, he needs to be your actual pilot. He's not there as a consultant that you turn to when you, oh, gee, I'm not sure about this. What do you think, Lord? You turn to him when you need. No, he, is, he, is the, he should be the one who's in control. We should be the co-pilot, just listening and obeying and doing what he suggests and going where he says we should go. We need to listen, to obey, and to rest and walk in our destiny with him. You see, God has a destiny for each and every one of you. 
I know it's hard to believe at times. Some of us, we look at our lives now and we think, what a mess, you know. I've done this. I've done this in the past. This continues to plague me. You know, I, I've had this sin or I've had this mishap or I've had this relationship that's messed up. I'm telling you God has a destiny for you. I'm telling you that right now. Jeremiah 29, 11, one of our favorite verses. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God is not out to hurt you. He's not out to mess your life up. He's not out to make you a worse person. He's not out to kill your fun. If you think sin's fun, try holiness. It's awesome. And you never have to look over your shoulder. Right? God's not out to, God is there to prosper you and not harm you. He has a plan and a destiny and a hope for you. In fact, in Jeremiah 1, it says this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. That is, I put you apart. I appointed you, he said to Jeremiah, a prophet to the nations. But what has God appointed you as? Because when I read that verse, I know that before you were born, God was forming plans for you. God had a destiny for you. The only thing that stops that is when we disobey him. And we've all done it. God has plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans for his spirit to use you in an incredible way. And isn't that what we all want? I don't want to sail through life and just die and that's it. Spent a little bit of time with Linda last week before she passed away. And uh, um, I was actually telling Colin about this. We, we talk about this often. But she actually had this incredible faith in God. Those of you who know her would attest to that. And she looked back and she, she said, I look back at my life. She said, I've had a great life, but I'm looking forward because I want to be with Jesus. And I just saw this incredible confidence in her life. She was facing death with both eyes wide open and a smile on her face. No, why? Because she knows where she's going. She knows into whose arms she is falling. And see, that's the testimony. We, you know, we should live our our life like that where we're just looking ahead and saying god whatever is your will it's over to you i trust you proverbs 3 verses 5 to 7 says this trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding ouch because we often say well god i do trust you but i really think you should kind of do it this way trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. You see, destiny doesn't just depend on your circumstances. It depends on your choices. Being here today is a choice. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for choosing to tune in online. Being here today is a choice. Getting involved with Ignite at this pivotal time, it's a choice. You can sit back. But if you get involved, you can choose and God can use that to shape your destiny. You can sit on the sidelines and cheer people on. That's fine. But I guarantee you, if you have a heart to serve God, this will be a good place to be. Because there is, there's things that you can do to serve the Lord. And some of you, that's going to greatly increase. God has a part for you to play in reaching this nation. This church can be part of reaching this nation. I don't know. I don't know exactly what the future holds for us in Nambour, but I know who holds the future for us in Nambour. Right? I can trust him. I don't know what the opportunities are in there, but I want to invite you to come and join us on this incredible journey. Come follow the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire. 
the pillar of the Holy Spirit in your life. Come follow us and move with us. To make this move a success, to move into our, the destiny God has for us, we've looked at the various aspects of what those pillars meant to the people of Israel. The pillar of cloud is rumbling right now. The pillar of fire is igniting. <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? And, and we must follow. We can't assume that God will just show up. We can't, we can't go in there with our own ideas and just assume God's just going to bless everything we do. We need to hear God. Our, I need to hear God. Our leadership needs to hear God, and you need to hear the voice of God. Am I right? We desperately need the presence of God. We must humbly go with the Holy Spirit leading, piloting, protecting, and providing for us. We need His presence. He's Holy Spirit working in our lives. So my question for you today, many of you know the Lord as your Savior. And if you don't, I want to invite you to accept Him as your Savior right here, right now. Because there is nothing, nothing on, in this earth that you can experience like knowing God. Nothing. But many of us know the Lord. My question to, to you today is not, do you know His presence, but do you want more? Because I want more of the presence of God in my life. Can you see that pillar of, of fire and cloud in your life or is it getting dim? Because some of us, it just gets dim. There's a beautiful verse I love that says, Restore us, O Lord, in the midst of the years. Some of us, as we get older, it just gets dimmer. And that's just normal. That's just life. But you can choose to stir up God's presence in your life right now by inviting him in to fill you afresh. That's what I want to do. I don't want to go down there half-baked. As we leave this place and go to our new home, I want us to cry out together to God for a greater manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm believing for. And I hope that you are thirsting for it too. David wrote in, in Psalm 63. Now David was described as a man after my own heart by God. God loved David. And it's encouraging because David in many ways, seemed an absolute failure. He was a murderer. He was an adulterer. He did a whole bunch of stuff wrong. He was a terrible parent. But God loved him. What does God say to this man that, that he loves so much? This, David had this incredibly close relationship with God. In Psalm 63, verse 1, David writes this, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, that is the dwelling place of God, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Can you say that this morning? Oh God, my heart longs for you. My body yearns for you. Every fiber of my being wants to be filled with the presence of God. Can you say that this morning? We go to church and we, we sit there you know, and, and we're very staid because we're Australians and that's what Australians do. But we go to a sporting event and we are not staid, are we? We scream and yell and, you know, jump up and down and stuff, but we go to church, we sit here like little, you know. I believe God wants his presence here, don't you? What a great way to finish up from here. To take What a great legacy to leave this building with the presence of God pulsating through every, every person here. Isn't that a great way to go? It's our final time here. I can't wait to get in down there and see us. Next week, we're going to be down there. 
And we've got, it's, it's got new carpet. It's got new paint. It's got toilets. I'm dreaming of a new toilet. Um, I have been dreaming of new toilets, I have. Um, we're not going to make you use the public ones, okay? We have actual toilets. They're hard to get to because they're covered in stuff, but that, we'll, we'll change that, I'm sure. But I don't want to leave here and go down there and leave God behind. I think we need his presence to go with us, don't you? Would you pray? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I ask that you speak to our hearts right now. If there's anyone here who's, who's never asked Jesus into your life, or maybe you have and it's just grown stony cold, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. And together we will believe that God's presence, the presence of God will fill your life. So if you've never asked the Lord into your life, or it was a long time ago and you've lost it, pray this with me. Say, say, this, say Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry that I've sinned, but right now, I ask you to forgive my sin and come into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and let me live a life that is worthy of you. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, just as every head is bowed and eyes closed, just ask you to shoot your hand up and put it down just very quickly. Praise God. Are there any others? Praise God. Now for the rest of us, we know God. We've asked Jesus into our life, but sometimes it just wanes. It just does. It's nobody's fault well, it probably is your fault. But, you know, we get wrapped up in all the stuff around us. I want to invite you to come with me and let's together ask for the presence of God in our life. Ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us to the brim. Are you with me? Don't be afraid. Because when we yield to the Holy Spirit, we just start being obedient in everything we do. So pray this prayer with me, church. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for losing sight of you. But right now, Lord, I ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I yield my life to you 100%. I want the manifest Spirit of God in my life right now. This one thing is true, folks. The cloud and the fire do not depart if we faithfully follow. The guiding and sustaining presence is ours always if we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It was there for the Israelites, and it's the same for us now. I believe that God has placed dreams and visions and desires to serve in the hearts of everybody here. And Lord, I want to pray that you would look into those hearts and you would make these dreams come to pass. Lord, I pray that if these dreams are in you, if these dreams are in part of your destiny for each and every person here, Father, I pray that you would open a way through this church to make these dreams happen. 
Oh, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name.